Yeah, but I think that also really stems from the PhD because you sort of are thrown in the deep end mm -hmm. with little experience in the field that you're now all of a sudden working in. Mm -hmm. And you sort of have to figure it out all yourself. And that's really scary, but it also teaches you quite a lot. Welcome everybody to the 41st episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanna and I'm here with my co-host Jerome. Hi. Today we're going to do something fun. We're going to talk about 10 lessons we learned from the PhD. Five from Jerome and five from me. And um, let's see what we actually learned from the PhD besides the science. So let's start. first episodes already yep we're old <laughs> we're not that old you okay. you haven't hit 30 yet then you'll know <laughs> so um 10 lessons we learned from the phd now we are not finished yet of course unfortunately yet almost almost we're getting close we're getting close uh but we think we have learned at least 10 things the years have brought us some wisdom yes yes and we want to share I guess. In or podcast form. In podcast form, yes. Okay, so uh, Jaron, what, uh, what was the first lesson that you uh, came up with? Well, it all started when I was Western blotting. No, not really. Um, <laughs> well, I think the first thing I want to start out with is uh, something a little positive. Um, and that is that you will meet some truly awesome people while doing your PhD. Uh, you're surrounded by other PhD students who are also very smart. And sometimes you, because you're in the presence of all these other smart people and some of the smartest people on the planet, if you really think about like, you know, what you're doing and the problems that you're working on, you kind of forget that you're, you yourself are smart. And yeah, you're in meeting these awesome people. You, you also get to realize that you're also kind of awesome just by being able to be a, a, around them, I guess. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that was. And you met me, of course. So. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should have led with that. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah, I think there's definitely some awesome people to meet, and um, it's always nice to meet people with the same type of interests as you, as you. Mm -hmm. So uh, that helps. I mean, it's not only that, right? I mean, just generally smart people, not only maybe not only working on their PhD, but also tackling other stuff as well, like doing a podcast. We've met a few people like that already. True, you know? true. So, yeah, cool. Okay. What have you gained in wisdom over the past years? Well, I think my biggest one thing that I've learned, biggest lesson, mm -hmm. is that I've learned that you can literally basically teach yourself anything. You can learn anything you put your mind to. I mean, that, also, that is also true outside of the PhD with all the skills you might want to learn outside of your PhD. There's nothing that you cannot learn, especially with the, the things that we have available these days in the internet. Mm -hmm. You can teach yourself anything. I mean, we, we taught ourselves how to, how to do podcasting and everything. I was uh, just about to ask, name some examples, but uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think that also really stems from the PhD because you sort of are thrown in the deep end. Mm -hmm with little experience in the field that you're now all of a sudden working in. Mm -hmm. And you sort of have to figure it out all yourself. And that's really scary, but it also teaches you quite a lot um, about 
self-sufficiency. Yeah. Self-sufficiency. And, how how are you going to teach yourself a new skill? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, a really, really important thing to take out of a PhD. I, I agree. I also <laughs> just think um, it's sort of our privilege now that we have like access to things like YouTube and the internet in True. general, that we are able to learn things much faster as well than maybe previous generations, I would say. True. <laughs> but I mean, also in the past, it was you were able to teach yourself things. It was just a little bit more difficult. Yes. I think they might have also had different interests than podcasting, right? <laughs> that is true. But blogging was still a thing 20 years ago, I guess. But yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. What is your second one, Jerome? Okay. So this is where this is where the fighting happens. I think <laughs> fake it till you make it is terrible advice. No. <laughs> that's yeah. what I always say. How dare you? These are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> So let me explain. I know the sentiment is always great. I mean, obviously, the people who are saying this all just want to help. And, yes. you know, yes, the indeed. sentiment is great. It just, I think it sort of implies, I think maybe something what uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Mark Reeds, also said about like imposter syndrome, that you're an imposter until you quote unquote make it. And I don't know. I don't think that that's necessarily a feeling. I mean, I think if you're you're just starting out as a professor or you're you're starting out as a PhD, there everyone may at some point feel like an imposter or maybe feel like they're not they don't really belong and i think it's easier to sort of normalize it than sort of say like fake it until you make it no i don't know it's just a, a sort of i can see a point i i do think at some point in if we are all i mean it more like <laughs> we are all just trying to do this thing that we really don't know 100% how to do that because that is literally science you're mm-hmm. trying to do things that you don't completely understand you're trying to figure them out and yeah no i get it i mean but all... i, I mm-hmm. can understand that for, yeah it yeah i understand your point i think for daily sort of practical advice i think it can work i mean i'm just sort of thinking like for on a society level or maybe just phd level for like hundreds if not thousands of phds and academics it sort of might it keeps reinforcing this idea of like you're an imposter from the moment you start and then until you quote unquote make it whatever that means that that's just my but i think it it can work i mean if you just need to get over the hump of like doing stuff and build up confidence then maybe it can work it's just I don't know, I struggle with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that... I think for me, when I say it for something that I'm going to do, it's more of a confident thing. Like, mm. don't don't let your own self-doubt get in the way. Just just do it. Just mm-hmm. if you think you cannot do it, just try it and see if it works out. Because more often than not, it actually does work out. Um, no, okay, fair. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was uh, one thing that I wanted to fight with you about <laughs> on the podcast. Well, okay, okay. So uh, give me your it. next piece of wisdom. Okay, my next one that I learned is that academia is a competition and that the game is not always a lot of fun. Elaborate. <laughs> well, especially if you want to continue in academia, you're just basically trying to outcompete other people. Yeah, I guess for grants and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, and... Uh, and also positions. It's quite a high-stake game also. Mm-hmm. And I I see that a lot of the people who do make it to the top are also way too into competition. For example, 
we had lab days, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have to play silly games with yeah. the whole the whole environment mm -hmm. group. Mm -hmm. And then some of the professors, <laughs> they they are not against just tackling you to the ground or like mm -hmm. <laughs> scratching your arm to win this game. And yeah. they're like, oh my god, that's what it. Well, I, I cannot say that they're all like that, right? Some no. of the professors and the, and the assistant professors are really quite chill and nice. Mm. But I wonder sometimes if, if you need that competitive drive mm. to make it in academia. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. Mean, yeah, I don't know if it's 100% necessary. I think, I, I don't know if it's sort of a mentality of a different generation, if I can say it like that. Because um, I'm, I'm sort of seeing new PIs, I guess, sort of coming up that they're really more focused on their group. Not necessarily like they're not, they don't come across as competitive, even in sort of the same scenario that you're talking about. They're like re really chilled about it. It's like if they mm. lose, they lose, it's fine. Yeah, but at the same time, the system sort mm. of makes you be competitive. No, for sure. And doesn't always reward... Um, collaborations as much as it, as it does like competitiveness and outcompeting others mm -hmm. that's valued way more than collaboration. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we've been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Yeah, I, and I, <coughs> I really sort of don't understand that. I mean, yeah, if you collaborate with people, they have other expertise as well. You can have access to that expertise, maybe their resources as well. And that can just help you quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just... Yet somehow it still always is competitive. Even if you do collaborate with someone, you're collaborating with someone to beat someone else is collaboration. Yeah. So yeah. And that's just how science is built. And that's not like the fault of the people in science. That's just how the system works. Yeah. And I I have realized that I don't like that about the system. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> I don't know if I wanna I'm saying this jokingly, but it's like a pyramid scheme where you just outcompete people to the top. Yeah. But yeah. No, I get it, and it's uh, it does take away a lot of the fun of doing research in the beginning, and it, when you figure out where you realize, but I'm gonna have to get more competitive if I want to keep doing this. Yeah, 
and that's hard if you're not if you're if you're not built like that i guess yeah yeah i mean I, I, it's mm -hmm. also hard if you are built like that because then then you really feel the competition mm. and then you have to so academia is just hard overall i think yeah and i i would like to hope that uh that if if you are going to be competitive in academia do you sort of keep it to academia because we're now we're sort of talking about like people who are also uh, uh, competitive outside of the academic thing like for games with minimal <laughs> stakes yeah no <laughs> they just they just cannot they cannot accept losing yeah it's exactly. so funny always yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no but like those out outside of work games mm. did teach me a lot about like different types of personalities that mm. they, that like PIs have right so no, I, sure. I thought they were definitely useful mm -hmm. um but yeah yes. okay Jaron, what is the next one yeah so this is something i guess we discovered relatively recently in the last let's say one and a half years and that is that there is a great science and academic community on social media that we were just mm. unaware of for the longest time um more specifically i would say on twitter but it's also present on instagram and even to a certain extent on tiktok and other uh, platforms as well uh but yeah they're they seem quite supportive um always yeah. willing to to provide some help some resources yeah, you can ask anonymous questions also if you want yes accounts can help you with that no for sure and i would say in my experience i haven't really seen that for example on linkedin where it's just like we've we've published a paper okay bye for the next couple of months yeah it's more like on those uh, more casual like twitter instagram where people just post uh stuff that they're doing mistakes that they make and sort of normalize some stuff and if you have a question about a technique you can post it and people might answer it and accounts retweet it and stuff mm -hmm. like that so i'm always surprised i didn't know that existed and yeah i just want to make sure that if anyone is listening to this and doesn't know that that exists they do now yes my next one yes is actually some advice that we got from our phd advisors mm -hmm. uh is that you are not your phd elaborate <laughs> <laughs> i will don't worry relax um because it's really easy to sort of feel down when your PhD is not going well and to feel as a failure mm -hmm. if you if your experiments are not going well or you're not getting the results that you were hoping for. But you shouldn't connect your self-worth to how well your PhD is going because you are a full-rounded person and you're not just your PhD. You also have um, a lot of other qualities to you. Mm -hmm. Other areas of your life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and also just as a person, right? Mm -hmm. You are valuable as a person, and you should also take the time to focus on that. To, to take some time to um, be in contact with yourself, and maybe develop yourself in other areas in the PhD. Maybe, maybe get a hobby, or just do something that you love, or go for walks, or something that sort of disconnects you from just only valuing yourself. Mm -hmm. as a phd student because especially also if you are in a place where most of your friends are also from your lab mm -hmm. which tends to happen that that does definitely happens you know because especially in corona times it was really hard to meet people outside of it it becomes hard to disconnect from it and to value yourself just for being you mm -hmm. and being an amazing person so no for sure i think this is also this at least from what I've understood from listening to other podcasts uh, where they interview like these 
um, elite athletes that are competing for multi-million dollar deals and stuff like that. If you mess up once and you lose a million dollars and you lose a deal and stuff like that, this is also the type of advice that they would give to these athletes. Like, hey, you messed up once. It can happen. Just keep going. Keep keep working on yourself. You're you're not less because this happened, or you're not more because it happened. What what you expected to happen. And yeah, yeah, that's just overall good <laughs> advice for, I would say, life. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Next one. Yes. So, I would also just add that um, you are capable of much more than you think. Um, so. Like I said earlier, uh, you're surrounded by some of the smartest people, some of the most hardworking people, I guess, on the planet and in PhD students who in are, I think, for the most part, like in the top 1% of like, you know, IQ uh, on the planet and just working on problems that don't have clear solutions uh, that some of them will probably really help the world. And in that, you also just need to realize like, you're doing something that's very complicated. We are putting ourselves in a position where we are so focused on our PhD to what uh, you said that we tend to forget that we're also capable of other things and we can do other things quite well. And maybe something we're struggling with, but maybe in other areas of our life, we are also able to succeed more and find, yeah, some, some relief, some joy. And that helps clear our mind and achieve better results overall. I mean, life obviously has quite a lot of different areas Mm -hmm. that you can do well in. And I think if you just sort of diversify a little bit and focus on all the different aspects of your life, you will see that you can do a lot. Like when we started this podcast, we didn't think we were going to be podcasters. We're not, we didn't think we would write blogs or anything like that. Yet here we are. We thought we were just PhD students, I guess. So <laughs> just PhD just students. Just PhD students. <laughs> like that isn't hard enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. But you know, when we thought about like our PhD schedule, like how do you make time for this? And this is also what we got asked a lot at the that conference where we gave that workshop. Um, yeah, you're capable much more than you think. Yeah. And this is not a knockout against anyone who's, you know, not pushing themselves to do more or anything like that. It just of you still have a lot of room to to do more, I would say. And that's exciting. Yeah. So what do you have? I my next one was that the people are more important than the topic. And that's mainly something for when you're choosing your PhD, right? Mm-hmm. I've just learned that when looking around you, mm-hmm. your PI has a lot of influence on you and also the other members in, in your lab have a lot of influence on maybe not how well you publish mm-hmm. what your PI does, but the other people left in the lab not. Mm-hmm. But just how you feel day to day and... Your mental health. Your mental health. And it's really important to take that into consideration when you're choosing a PhD. Mm-hmm. Try to meet the people that are working in the lab. See w- see if it's a nice environment. Um, also talk with the PI a little bit more, not just about the topic, but also about his way of... Um, managing. Managing. Mentoring, I guess. You know. Yeah. Just to see if that's something that fits with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I have ended up quite lucky, I think, but you see it go wrong quite often. And it's just such a difficult situation to be in. It's also not something you can change anymore. Mm. 
later on. Well, definitely not easily without, you know. Yeah. yeah. Another flaw in the system, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in other countries, sometimes it is a little bit easier to change PIs, but in the Netherlands, it's not really a thing that can be done. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, I have learned that if I would, for example, now apply for a postdoc position, I would definitely also look at personalities mm-hmm. and if they fit with me because different personalities fit with like different people. So it's a really personal thing and it's also really, really hard to judge from just a conversation. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. So it's a, it's a hard one. But I think I, I like my topic, mm-hmm. but I'm also really, really happy with the people that I ended up with and the support and just... Also, that I'm in a lab that's not super competitive with just the other people in the lab. I don't think I would have handled that well, for example. Mm-hmm. We like each other. <laughs> and oh. We, we <laughs> drink drink beers together and stuff. And that's that's nice. Without um, trying to fight each other for projects, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. No, for sure. But I think it also... It's hard for a variety of reasons to actually get a good feel for like, not only do you have like limited time to meet everyone and talk with also the PI, but it's also like everyone's always trying to sell themselves a little bit, right? Like, yes. Yeah, no, no, no. Everything here is fine, but sometimes the PI does like to come like, you know, Mm. Um, what's the word like not micromanaging I don't think anyone would say that they micromanage but like <laughs> really be involved in the, your, in yes. the project and it's sort of hard to interpret like how but to that's what degree also, that's to a certain degree is a good thing mm-hmm. because like a PI that's never available is also really annoying no of course so you never really know where the balance will hit no of course and but, mm-hmm. I would almost say that doing an internship even a short one mm-hmm. or just like trying it out for a couple of weeks would be beneficial but that's not always possible no. and i've also heard stories about how people were treated really nicely as a student with little responsibilities but then as soon as they were hired as a phd student in the same lab things really changed mm. and all of a sudden they were like employees now and things were just very very different yeah yeah no but i agree with you like um it's really a balance but it's also like you know it's hard to really gauge that balance because people no one wants to speak ill about anyone right like yeah well i think you can ask the people in the lab what type of leadership style the boss has and you will i mean i would give an honest answer Mm. uh and that's not necessarily negative Mm -hmm. but just like you, you need to be able to see if that fits with you, mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's also important to emphasize it's not just the PI though; it's also the other colleagues. Yes, and definitely. See, you know, it could because also... if there's a really competitive atmosphere in just the lab mm-hmm. by the other PhD students or the postdocs, that's also really, really hard. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, just difficult. Also difficult because. People in the lab move in and out. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the four years that I've been working there, I mean, I have been now with one other person. I'm the only one that's left except for the PI. Mm-hmm. So there's a completely different group now than when I started, right? Yeah. So even if you try your best to sort of judge this, it's still hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as people come and go, the atmosphere is going to change. And yeah. So I guess the, 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 the most important person is probably going to be the PI because they're the the constant i guess mm-hmm. but uh yeah i don't know it's uh technicians I, usually also stay around yes yes 
Yeah, I, I, I really struggle with the idea of like how how can you really gauge the 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 atmosphere super well. And especially like if you're a master student trying to find a PhD position and there are very few going around and you've probably you may have been already turned down for a couple. Mm. It's sort of like you're you're a little desperate at that point, I guess. You want mm. that you want a good position, right? Obviously. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you've already picked this and because it's interesting. And even if you know how important it is, you might just say yes because you really like the topic or you mm. like the... It's, it's a flaw yeah. in the system, I think, also. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, how to fix it, though. No, for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think ultimately, I, I saw... I, I remember there was one position that I was applying to uh, when I was applying for a PhD position, um, I think I would have gotten it. It was sort of in the same interview, uh, week that I had my, the one that I got now. Um, and I definitely saw some red flags, but I was like, well, if they hire me, I'll probably take it. I, I can take it on. It's just, it's just four years. I can survive that. And then th <laughs> this person will also be gone. And then that's, that problem is also solved. It, it's fine. But, uh, yeah, looking back is like, Ooh, run away fast. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay, then I will continue on with my last mm -hmm. piece of wisdom that I can impart on, on the younglings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that is that academia is not for everyone. And unfortunately, that, is, that can be quite sad for uh, some people to acknowledge. But I think whether it's the style of work, the, the impact that you can have with your research, the salary, or the, the lack of sort of future career prospects in like postdoc positions, it's really not for everyone. Like the system is not really built to keep everyone that starts a PhD and wants to continue in academia mm -hmm. in it. And your, your priorities in life might change and that's okay. That's honestly just okay. It, and that's what I want to get at with. It's not for everyone. And yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I, it should be more normalized that, that people leave uh, academia and also during the PhD, it should be, a bit more helped, I guess, mm -hmm. to understand what skills out of the you can get out of the PhD that might be transferable to other areas. Yeah, yeah, I I sort of struggle with that because um, everyone who always asks you, especially in the end of your PhD, so are you going to stay in the in academia or are you uh, going to go to industry? And industry can be literally anything. Uh huh. And it's just it's so awkward that that's sort of our understanding of like academia versus industry yeah you know and there there aren't really that many resources available like you need to go to in our case career events to find out and actually meet and it's great that they're already organized mm -hmm. but i would say we need more yeah i mean it's you have in our case like this one career event in another in another city in the netherlands and then there's another one six months out in in belgium it's like okay mm. So, but I'm, it's also just more already during the PhD, what type of things could you add to it to mm -hmm. be more competitive later? Yeah. Uh, and I understand that our PIs also don't know, mm -hmm. but there should be some room in the PhD to develop those skills also. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Shall we move on to my last point? Yes. Bring it. Okay. I think another really big thing I learned from the PhD it's just more about my own strengths and weaknesses. I have learned more about what I'm good at, what I maybe struggle with. I cannot say that I've fixed all the things that I struggle with. <laughs> You've accepted sure. them? But I at least know that they are there. Oh, you haven't I accepted can, them I either. Can, 
I can try to work on it, you know, and take out some more time in the day for the things that I struggle with. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think I've also learned to be proud of myself and the things that I can do, mm -hmm. which so is definitely not something everybody gets out of the PhD for sure. But that's something I did get out of the PhD. Can you give us an example of strengths and weaknesses? I think I'm really good in organization things, keeping things on track, planning perhaps. I can concur on these, yes. <laughs> uh, I have also learned that I'm really creative. Also. Not something that I expected to do more in my PhD, but definitely something that, yeah, I, I with making the figures for my papers and stuff, I've I've learned new new skills and stuff in that area. Mm -hmm. Um. And also that I am able to teach myself things, coming back to my first point, mm -hmm. um, that I'm really good at teaching myself things and that I don't, that I can also then just be proud of that I'm good at this new skill. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it has made me more confident, which <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know is weird for PhD, right? But it has definitely made me more confident. I just feel I am more of a whole person almost. After all of this experience. Okay, so we need to do to break that down. Uh, your weaknesses, you didn't name any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am not very good at um, focusing on writing. Mm, I, yeah, no, I mean, that's a general... Well, some people really love to write and I, I don't mind writing. Mm -hmm. I just struggle with actually like sitting down and writing it down. Yeah. Um. Do you think that's mostly just because of the, the type of writing, the academic writing, or is that with any type of writing? I think that would be with any type of writing. Mm. If I need to make a nice figure, mm -hmm. I'm like happy to do that and yeah. I can work a whole day on that. No problem. Mm. But if I have to write, that's just, yeah. I mean, it might also be because I'm dyslectic, right? So yeah, yeah, very much, yes. <laughs> you should have led with that. <laughs> But, you know, I, I have overcome my dyslexia for the mm. most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, I, I like, I like to read. Mm -hmm. I don't mind reading. Yeah. I mean, that could, that's also a strength, I would say. Or do you also not like reading <laughs> a lot of academic? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. I, I, I like being busy with my hands and being creative mm. and I think there is definitely a, a large space for that also in the PhD. In your experiments, it's mm. really nice if you're handy in that. Yeah. That definitely helps out as if you do a PhD that is more hands-on uh, experimental work. And I, I am really good at that also, I feel personally. Mm. Um, again, I have learned to be proud of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Not fair. And again, I have not conquered my weaknesses. Like my writing, I have definitely not conquered this weakness. I don't think most of us do. We just sort of <laughs> get over it surviving like, yes. it's over. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I am proud of all the things that I've done. I'm proud of all the things that I've accomplished. I might not have the most high impact papers at the end of this, but I had some really cool projects that I got to see through from the beginning to end. Some things I discovered myself, which is absolutely cool <laughs> uh and i i got a lot of opportunities in this and um i think at the end of this PhD, i will be really proud of what i've accomplished not every day some <laughs> days <laughs> oh yeah i have definitely uh 
hurt you on mm, those some days. Yes, <laughs> yes. Some days I really hate everything, and I will never, I will never do anything good again. But like <laughs> most days, I'm really proud of myself. Hashtag Motivation Monday. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, but that that's the, that's my last point that I've really learned a lot about myself. I've I've grown up, become almost an adult, almost. Well, you know, you're almost thirty. <laughs> <laughs> It was about time, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Have you become almost an adult because of the PhD? Um, in some ways, yes. In some other ways, no. I mean, I've become more open about my mental health, I guess. Mm, that's uh, definitely a good thing. I'm trying to figure out what works best for me. And I'm starting to realize that's not exactly how other people like to work, I guess. I, I I feel like I'm an acquired taste <laughs> <laughs> that many people don't like. <laughs> no, that's not true. I don't know. That that's just my general uh, idea of it. But mm, and in other ways, physically, I am definitely older. <laughs> <laughs> the gray hairs are definitely coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also a consequence of the PhD, indeed. Back pain as well. Oh, not necessarily PhD, but also just aging. <laughs> <laughs> we blame the PhD. We're not old. Yeah. No, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in many ways, I did also learn a lot, I guess, during the PhD. Uh, I guess I matured a lot. I don't know how much that had to do with just meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, li life is a process, right? And yes. I, I also, yeah, I count those other things that happened because of the PhD also as benefits of the PhD. Like meeting you. Technically, we met right before we started our PhD. So, <laughs> Only uh, you remember this. I do not. <laughs> yes, but that doesn't make it any less true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so apparently we applied for the same PhD position. And he remembers this, but I don't remember seeing him. So um, You just walked out so fast. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> the worst thing is that he got it and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you got an extension. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, well, th those were the things that we learned from the PhD, I guess. Yes. And um, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, uh, papers we really need to read, or topics we think you should, we should talk about, um, you can reach us via our, our website, strugglingscientist.com, or directly via our email address, strugglingscientist.hotmail.com. And you uh, can also check out on our website, our amazing Journal of the Struggling Scientist, which is a monthly newsletter, and uh, our webshop, which is filled with awesome scientific merch. For people of all, all ages, including babies and just <laughs> shirts for... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Jeroen, which was not our social medias again. Yes, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Yes, and everywhere we're just the Struggling Scientists, and then you will be able to find us. Yes. Thank you so much for listening again. And uh, we hope to see you all next time. Bye. Bye.